Hey, this is Steve Balton, and dude, this is a fun one today. We have Youngblood joining us in studio for my turning point. Really freaking cool, dude. We had a lot of fun talking about his new music, about finding your own way as an artist, and kind of telling the music industry to fuck off. So the the premise of the show, right? It's called My Turning Point. Yes. So basically, every artist picks a moment that you know, whether personal or professional, that that was a defining moment in their life that they feel like led them to where they are. Completely. And then we go from there into a normal interview. So what was your what was your turning point moment? That interesting. You would- um, I can see it right now, really clear. I'll I'll talk. I'll, I'll lead up to it. So basically, oh, I grew up in a very industrial part of England, in the north of England. And where I was from, it was very, very backward in the way people <laughs> would think, to put it plainly. Um, and I always was, I was massively into artists like Marilyn Manson or Lady Gaga and David Bowie. I'd want to like cross-dress or put makeup on. and <laughs> My mum would love it. And we'll be like, ooh, you look cute. <laughs> but then my granddad would be like, what the fuck have you got on? <laughs> Take that off. So all my life, kind of, I felt like where I was from would never accept me for who I was. So I wanted and envisaged that I would move down to London, the city, and I would be able to be myself and be liberated and feel amazing and... And I did. At 16, I was like, right, fuck this, I'm out. I'm going to go to the city, I'm going to wear lipstick and get up to all sorts of naughty shit. And um, I remember my first experience of music in the music industry was pretty fucking horrendous, to be honest. <laughs> I um, That's not surprising, by the way. Yeah, I thought <laughs> I thought by moving to London, by moving to the city, I would be able to be myself and and slot into, or unslot myself out of any box or any any, any possible thing. And the, the, the thing was, it was completely the fucking opposite. The first taste I had in the music industry was, they were telling me that I couldn't write songs about politics. They were telling me that I couldn't dress like I did. I wouldn't paint my nails because it was too disruptive. I remember them saying it was too disruptive. And I was like, oh, fuck. And at 16, you go these people know what they're talking about and I want to get into the music industry or whatever. So I'll tell them, I'll, I'll listen to what they're saying and I'll flutter my eyelashes at the girls and try and be Justin Bieber, if you like. <laughs> and I remember one time I took a meeting and this was my turning point. Someone looked at me and was like, right, I've got it. I've got it, Dom, I know what you're going to do. We're going to put you on The Voice. <laughs> And then we're going to sign you after the voice. Because you'll get far. You, you, you're, you're half decent looking, you've got a good voice. And you know what I saw, said to myself? I was like, fuck this. <laughs> I was like, I'm not going to listen to these people because they have no fucking idea. <laughs> and um, I remember the month, I always call it the month. 
I was living in Fulham in London at the time and I um I completely figured out exactly who I was and what artist I was gonna be. You know, that's such a cool thing and it's funny because I I mean I think that, you know, I've talked about this with so many artists. Do you feel like now, because you did follow your own voice, the success you like you're saying, it's fucking mental. Does it feel so much more gratifying? Dude, it's crazy. As I say, that's what I always say to artists, man. I'm like, just do what you think is right. Because if it ain't real, it's not gonna resonate. Or if it's not real, you're gonna exhaust yourself and it's gonna run out eventually. And you'll get big, but you won't be remembered. Yeah. So it's funny when you look at now the artists, you know, as you're having the success and it's funny, like, you know, I know you did the song with Halsey and Travis Barker, who's a good yeah. friend as well. I love Travis. He's, you know, did my TV show, all that stuff. Fucking cool. You know, when you look at the artists that you really admire their career and the way that they have, like you say, be remembered. Because there is such a difference between having a fucking hit song and being remembered. Completely. Who are those artists that you look at and think like, okay, that's who I want to be in 20 years? Um, Dave Grohl, the Foo Fighters, Green Day, Billy Joe, um, the Arctic Monkeys, Marilyn Manson, Eminem, Lady Gaga, David Bowie, John Lennon, loads of people. Do you mm. know what I mean? I think it's like Gerard Way, My Chemical Romance. It's like, I always wanted to build something. I didn't fit a mold, so I wanted to build my own. And I wanted to connect to people and I wanted to build a culture. I never want people to go, oh, I love this song, who sings it? I want it to be like, I love this artist. It's funny, I was reading the BBC thing that came out and, you know, where you talked about the fact that, you know, playing at Leeds, you were crying afterwards because I talk with so many artists about this too and it's so funny because, you know, a lot of times I'll talk with about with them, you know, those moments that where they feel something is happening and it's amazing because people think it's either going to be TV or your first big like fucking, you know, sold out, whatever it is. So many artists have said to me it's that moment when fans are singing their words back to them. Completely, man. It's like... Leeds and Reading was such a crazy experience for me because that's where I, I grew up there. You know what I mean? I saw myself in the crowd in a bucket hat and glasses. Like, Don, what is going on? You know, to me, man, it ain't about having it records. If they come, great. Gold disc is great. A platinum disc is great. But what is most important to me is having this mutual feeling in my community that I look at one of them and go, you saved my life and I saved theirs back. You know? Yeah. That's what it's about. Youngblood isn't me. Youngblood is us. And if it ever becomes me and them instead of us, then I fucked it. You know? Well, it's interesting you say that because one of the things I really like too is I talk about with artists all the time too, right? You know, when you go on stage, yeah, you play a song and you think, oh, cool, this is going to be great. And then the audience is like, eh whatever, right? And then you play another song that you're like, well, maybe I'll fucking release that, but I'm not sure how it's going to be. And the audience loses their shit for that song and it becomes that one. So when you're doing re uh, Reading and Leeds, I tried to combine them into one, into Reading, but when you're doing Reading <laughs> and Leeds, you know, were there songs in particular that you were particularly surprised? Like, Bro, or the Every single, that's the weird thing. I look at, I look at my manager at, when he's his side of stage every time and go, it's every fucking song. That's what's weird. 
I can't wait for you to come to one of my shows. Playing tomorrow night, yeah. Yeah, there isn't one standalone song that goes crazy. It's the whole fucking set. I'm, I get, I'm getting lazy. I'll stop bloody singing. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's, yeah. It's mental. They are so loud. But it's interesting for you. Because what happens as well, are there ones that you're particularly surprised by the response? And the other thing that's cool now that exists, of course, is you know you have such direct contact with your fans. People hear things in songs that you don't even think about. Completely. Because as I talk about with artists all the time, right? When you're writing a song, dude, a lot of times writing is subconscious anyway. Always. Right. So you don't even know what the fuck you're thinking about. You don't know what you fi- you don't you don't know what you're thinking about sometimes until months afterwards. That's interesting. You know, and you go, that's what was going through my brain at that time. And it's crazy. And and you know what, man? It's like it is completely unfathomable. I stand on there and they're so passionate and they're so And I, w- I would ask myself, why me? Why why the It isn't me. That's the answer. It's what we re- it's what we mean to each other. Cause I need them as much as they need me. But when you think about being a fan back in the you know, back in the day, yeah, I'm sure it was the exact same feeling for you. Completely, that's what I'm saying. Like, what was that show for you where you had that feeling of like you know? Because again, you have shows that you love, but when you feel like the artist is speaking directly Arctic to you, monkeys. He knew what I was thinking, and he'd never even met me, and it blew my mind. I was like, everything I was going through, he knew it. Gerard Way knew every single thing I was going through. So have you met them since? No. Okay. I don't want to. Really? No, I do. <laughs> I just hope they like me. Dude, I just hope they like this cocky. Man. He's like I, one of the coolest fucking guys. Yeah, man. I, um, I, I, I spoke about him a lot in alt press and apparently I think he, unless they were bullshitting me, he reached out to my label and said that he was moved by what I said and I was like, wow, that's crazy. Because I just love that guy, man. He, 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 Again, as I said, man, he made a stamping culture. He ain't a singer. Yeah. He's an activist. And that's what I want to be. You know, I think it's like when you get on stage, man, it's so weird. You can have the shittest day. Your girlfriend can break up with you. Your mom can call and say she got sick. Yeah. fucking everyone around you is poorly. You trip up and break your ankle. But when you get on stage, everything disappears. It's like, fuck the girl, fuck the mum, fuck the leg, fuck everything. Because mm-hmm. me and you. And then you get off stage and it's, you go back to being sad again. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? It's kind of crazy. Um, and I said that to him last night. Like, no matter what is going on in my personal life, in their personal lives, for that hour and half... Hour and forty if the crowd's fucking good. <laughs> we have a magical connection, you know? But what's so interesting that's so funny, because I saw this coming. So after our election in 2016, right? From December of 2016 through like middle of 2018, every person I talked with, every single one, whether it was, you know, Dave Gahan, whether it was Metallica, no matter who it was, right? We talked about writing and recording under the influence of this administration. And the reason I bring that up is because one thing that I noticed changing right away 
people, you know, and of course you were dealing with the shit in England with Brexit. People want people to speak out now. It wasn't okay anymore to just be this neutral pop star who didn't have anything to say anymore. It was actually, you had to have an opinion and your songs had to have meaning because the world had gone so fucking crazy. So it's interesting that you say about wanting to be an activist. Are you finding that when you engage with the fans, that it's the fact that you talk about real shit that they do connect with? It's so funny when we're talking about a turning point, man. I always felt like, I always listened to other people. Don't listen to anybody else. You want to, because it helps you feel reassured. Listen, I ask people all the time, that's just my own insecurity, and people have their own insecurities. Your gut is always right. You know, I think, and I wanted to talk about this stuff. I wanted to talk about this stuff all my life, and people said I couldn't. And as soon as I started to, as soon as I started actually being real, that's when people started to listen. Well, it's funny because, again, I think it's something that, that you were just more in tune with the times then than other people because, again, it was like, but you look at the success of someone like Kendrick, for example, and what he did, you know, and, I mean, you were seeing people who were moving in that direction. So it's really interesting. Was there a song for you where you first were finding that voice? King and Charles. Felt- King what? Charles of the first record. Mm-hmm. It came out, the song was written and recorded in four hours. As I talk about the month... I wrote all this poetry. Mm-hmm. I designed the pink socks. I knew exactly what I was going to look like, exactly what I was going to say. Wrote the name out. And it just happened. You know, it just just happened. And it was so quick. I didn't have to think about it. And I've been so prolific ever since. It's so funny, though, too, because, I mean, I've talked about that with so many artists who, you know, and there's so many different ways of describing it, whether it's, you know, some people will describe it almost as, like, channeling. Other people have described it as, like, the thunderbolt. For you, you know, it's interesting because as an artist, right, like we talked about, when you're in the midst of something, it's hard to get that perspective to see where it comes from. Now that it's been a minute since King Charles, can you look back and see, okay, now I I feel like I know where that came from or how it happened Completely, man, because I'm not in the same place as I was back then. So where did it come from at the time now? It came from a... Where did it come from now or where did it come from then? Where did it come from then? It came from Brexit. It came from... That was the first time I could vote. The first time I could make my voice count in a numerical factor that would actually matter. And then it was ripped away from me by part of an older generation that didn't didn't understand or aren't even going to be here when the when the consequences of Brexit are going to be in action and I felt wronged, I felt hurt and I thought fuck it I'm just going to write about it and I'm going to put it out fuck what the 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 initial label people who didn't know what the fucking were talking about were going to say Fuck what the initial press people who didn't know what to talk about will get talking about would say. I did it, and people started to listen. You know what I mean? I think that's it. I think Youngblood is a call out, saying it is all right to be yourself, no matter who that may be. It's all right to change. It's all right to grow. It's all right to be not the same person you were six months ago.
So it's interesting when you look back then, are there moments that you can look back and see how you've changed from six months ago? Flat out. Uh, like I've got uh, the, the EP is out, you know, and the new EP is out. And if you listen to that compared to the first EP that came out, it's worlds apart. So I've got different experiences. All right, now wait, I'm going to ask you because I'm confused now. When you say the new EP, do you mean the one that is out October 11th? Yes. Which, okay, cool. Do you want to say, is it in the future or is it out? I mean, we can talk about it as if the new EP is coming out. It doesn't matter. We're not going to edit because, again, I like the conversation to be organic. Completely. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So it's interesting. I mean, and it's funny. One of the things I really love about the EP, because I, was, I have heard it, is that it goes from this, like, punk energy at the beginning. And I suck with titles because I listen to everything all the way yeah, through. No still stress. old school. You know, and then, like, you hit tracks four and five. And it's so, like, it has this totally different vibe. But it's a really interesting thing because I've talked about this with people so much, right? To me, my personal favorite political songwriter was John Lennon. Hell yeah. And the reason why is because he could say so much, he does it in a way that's quite like, to me, the most punk rock album ever made, Plastic Ono Band. Because there's something about that quiet that just drives that point home yeah. so incredibly much. So for you, talk about having that mix of styles on there because it really does sort of underscore the importance of like, okay, to make a loud statement, it, the music doesn't always have to be loud Completely. or fast. Completely, I'm not. I just say it starts angry, but then ends emotionally. It's kind of my <laughs> cycle as an artist from the beginning. And an EP. So we're it's like my journey from the beginning. You know, it's called the underrated youth EP, and and the experience I've had, I've had since everything else has been so much more emotional I've met so much more people I've heard so many more stories you know yeah I with this I just wanted to I've done that I did the last bit now Youngblood's on to a new thing I will never stand still if people know what I'm gonna do next then I'm fucked mm-hmm you know, I always amplify the way I feel. I'll always be real to my fans to know that. So it's interesting. Was there one song on this EP that really kind of... Because I talk about this with people all the time. Too. Right, look, here's the thing. As a writer, you're always trying to do your absolute best work. But as a writer, you can never do your best work. Because once you do, what the fuck is there left to go for? Yeah, once you've hit the best. But what happens is you hit those moments where you feel like, Cool. This is who I want to be going forward. So, are there tracks or moments? Yeah, dude. It, as I say, man, it's like the title track, Hope for Underrated Youth, was a song for the people I've met. It's for my fan base. It's about us. It's about me looking at the world and accepting that it tells me to fall in line. It tells us to. Conform. It tells us which fucking air to breathe some days. But the one common denominator I find in the people I've met and the young people, and people of all ages I've met in my crowd, is the constant optimism, the constant fire, the constant drive to fight for equality and to unite and not divide anymore. And that's why it's called There's Hope for the Underrated Youth, because the future's bright, because we are simply in it. 
But then it goes to a song like Original Me with Dan Reynolds from Dragons, Imagine Dragons. And that talks about me being originally myself <laughs> and going, every day you tell people to be yourself. Don't forget to be yourself, Dom. You know? Yeah. Don't forget to check in sometimes, Dom. That's you know what I mean? Sometimes I wish I was anyone else. But don't forget to be yourself, Dom. It's interesting. We were talking about that before you came in. And it's funny because, I mean, dude, I, I was just, I had Incubus on the podcast a couple weeks Sick. ago. Sick. They're great friends, right? They've been, we were talking about this. Dude, it's so hard to balance what fans want versus a private life. So for you, talk about, you know, how you strike that balance of checking in with yourself, forgetting to be Dom. And putting young blood aside for a That's minute. That's so hard for me as well because the thing about it is, is I kind of don't really put on an act. I kind of give everything to young blood because I wasn't allowed to be myself before. So young blood is kind of my liberation. It's my turning the TV on and watching a fucking shit sitcom. <laughs> Where you go, fuck me, I can be myself. So what's the last shit sitcom you watched? Peaky Blinders. Okay. Fucking love it. It's not a sitcom, but mm -hmm. it's a series. I love it. So sick. It's, you know, I think for, I mean, it's, it's interesting. I see it because it's like, look, I mean, when, when, you know, you can see just from talking to you that Dom and Youngblood are the extension of each other. But you know what I mean in terms of that, like... How Complain. You... As I say to you, I know. I mean, like, it's a, like... It's about when I take the fucking pink socks off and <laughs> go for a shit. You know what I mean? Or something <laughs> like that. But I find it very hard to switch off. I do. Honestly. Because... Again, I feel myself. <laughs> you know, I feel like I'm, I'm me. I feel like I'm I'm who I who I've always wanted to be, and it feels amazing. And people are like, "Are you exhausted?" It's like physically, yeah, but mentally, I'm not because it's not an act. And trust me, I've seen the pop game. I've tasted it a little bit. Mm -hmm. I've been into this pop star, been surrounded by this thing, and I want no fucking part of it. You well, know. All the artists that you mentioned, it's the people that you would want to be. Obviously, they're artists who had long careers. And it's interesting because it's sometimes, it, you know, for a lot of artists, though, it is hard to balance that. But they all made it out the other side. You need that success early on to build the base. Yeah, dude. It's like, at the end of the day, connect to people, not fucking tabloids. Yeah. You know what I mean? If, if selling records to me is who I'm paparazzi with, then I want no part of it. Because what I want to do is I want to look at fucking those two boys in the crowd who were kissing because they can't kiss anywhere else or that young girl who left school because she wanted to go to art school or that fucking interracial couple from fucking Detroit who was still facing racism and in this place where God was safe so for you we'll wrap up in a second but I'm curious, you know, because again, we talked about getting to hear the stories from the fans. What have been the coolest things you've heard from fans? The, the coolest me. stories that have, you know, sort of hit you that have uh, that really have moved you. As I said, I just said that. I remember one girl gave me a note in um, in Holland, in Nijmegen, Holland. 
saying that um, she left school to go to art school and shaved her head because of the music. One girl in Maryland, Warped Her, said that she transitioned from being a boy because it made the music made her parents understand that she she was a girl. She was born into the wrong body. And um, there's stories every day. Mm -hmm. And again, I say, I, I always say to them, they always say, thank you, you saved my life. And I'm like, nah, fuck that, man. You saved my life. I just wrote a couple songs. You know what I mean? I ain't a crossroads. I'm just, I'm just a car. Jump in the car. You know what I mean? Yeah. Cool. What do you want to add I didn't ask you about? <sighs> I mean, as I say, I love that chat. I think, to be honest, like, I'm good, man. I'm happy. I love my fans. They love me. And ultimately, all I'm going to do is just keep writing the music I want to write and keep connecting. For me, it isn't about how many records I sell. It's about how many people I walk out to. Uh, we're going to wrap up on this, though. One more question, because I'm yeah. curious, because we were talking about the writing earlier, right? Hit me, yeah. Dude, is there one song of yours you go back and listen to, and, and you are surprised by the meaning? Or even there's like could be a lyrical passage in there. Polygraph Eyes. I can't believe I fucking wrote that lyric. I know I sound like an arrogant twat. No, you don't. I know what but you mean. I'm just like, whoa, fucking hell. That came out of my head. All of it. Every line. Mm -hmm. I remember in the studio in a, a, a smoky, pot-ridden basement in Soho with my producer, Matty Schwartz. Hello, Matty. I hope you're listening at home. Give my love to the kids. Um, he, uh, I said, I want to write a song about this. He's like, fucking hell, that's heavy. So like, yeah, it is. But no one's saying it. Everyone's thinking it, but no one's saying it. And that lyric was so important to me. It's about, it's about someone who's very close to me and talks about girls being taken advantage of on nights out because they're too drunk. And, um, and I want to be able to see it. I want people to see everything. I want people to be able to picture it in their minds. I want to listen to that lyric. I remember my guitar player. He didn't know what it was about. Adam. And he was learning the songs and he listened to it in Tesco. And third listen, he cried his eyes out. Because he was like, whoa. That's what it's about. Well, I mean, that makes so much sense. Because, you know, you think about it and it's like, what connects with people is again when they feel like they're hearing their life in there or they can go through you know complete and, and it's so funny there's a new song not on the EP called Casual Sabotage that we played twice at the start of my career I wrote it ages ago it's about casually sabotaging yourself because you feel like you're not good enough mm -hmm. and um, we played it twice and it's the biggest tattoo I need to exist is the biggest tattoo in my fan base so when we're coming to release songs on the EP, I was like, this is it's time. It's time for casual sabotage and that reflects it. It's like, I can't handle love because I felt like I was never good enough for it. Because someone deeply hurt me. And um, you're never the same after that. You know, yeah. I'm less squishy. 
and I am very squishy. But someone made me a little bit less squishy. <laughs> you know, and that song resonates with me, especially right now, you know. Mm-hmm. Cool. We're going to wrap up on that note Thank because so I never much, want to man. ask about the personal that. shit. So, yeah, that was I cool, dude. That. that was great. Rock and roll star. Thank you so much, Thank man. you. Hey, this is Steve Balton. Hope you have enjoyed this edition of My Turning Point with special guest Youngblood as much as we did, man. It was a blast to have him on here. Really love his attitude. And, you know, a lot of good lessons in there for everyone about just following your own voice. And a damn fun conversation as well. Thanks. Consultants and wealth advisors. That's CLA. We'll get you there. Clifton Larson Allen LLP. Investment advisory services are offered through Clifton Larson Allen Wealth Advisors LLC, an SEC registered investment advisor. If you look around, there are so many ways to make a difference. At Capella University, our FlexPath format gives you a different way to earn your degree. Take courses at your speed. Move on whenever you're ready. Education should fit your life. Learn more at capella.edu. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.